This podcast is Entel Enhanced. To see pictures, articles and links of what's being discussed, download the Entel app. Hello, welcome to the Big Scuba Show. Hi, I'm Rob Spray. I'm coordinator for Sea Search East. I'm on the Big Scuba podcast with Gemma and Ian. Thanks for having me. Hello everybody, welcome to the Big Scoob podcast. My name is Ian and I'm here with... Gemma. <laughs> yes, and uh, so welcome and thanks for downloading uh, this episode. Yeah. It's a beautiful morning. And, We're recording uh, outside. Yeah, recording outside. Yeah. I, I got here nice and early so we could go for a run. Yeah, we've done our 5k. Yeah, uh, done a nice 5k run on the uh, seafront in Lowestoft and that was really good. Um, so really good pace and uh, got out there before it got too hot because yeah, it's going to be a beautiful day. Yeah, a beautiful day, as we say in Norfolk. So coming up on this episode, we are talking to Rob Spray from um, Sea Search East. Yeah, which is obviously based around the Norfolk coast. Yeah, and we're going to be talking to Rob about uh, how, well, mainly citizen science. So how. Um, holiday makers and anyone who's diving snorkeling having fun in the water around the coast and can actually take part and use that diving for yeah. you know a bit of science you know reviewing what's out there Research. and logging what they see mm. yeah. yeah you don't have to be a diver to take part you can be a snorkeler yeah. or just looking in rock pools looking in the rock pools and yeah. seeing what's about and uh, a little bit about technology we'll talk a bit about that and how you can get involved um, rob actually has a is involved with a course that he delivers on yep. you know things that you need to know it's all done on a volunteer basis and it's not just in the east coast it's a national thing in britain you yeah know, it is uh, right round. there is isn't there so um yeah do you, do you want to just say a little bit about us Should we Yes, yes. So we're the Big Scuba Podcast and we've been running for over a year and we've set this podcast up for divers and non-divers and people that are just interested in the underwater world yeah. and obviously conservation as well. So we like to talk to a whole range of people and guests. So they range from people that are sort of divers, technical divers, and we've even interviewed people that are astronauts. I know, it's yeah. unreal. Isn't it? People that have been in submersibles down to the very deepest part of our oceans, the Mariana Trench. That was Richard Garriott. So, yeah. And then we just talked to people that are really passionate about their diving. Yeah, and you've done how many dives now? 21. I know, how about that? <laughs> it's number 21 yesterday. <laughs> They're building. They are, they double are. figures now. Yeah, and that was a new different dive for you yesterday. It was a river dive yeah, yeah in the river Wensum in norwich so we really enjoyed it so, it was that was yeah. really good fun i've done i've completed about 250 dives uh currently a dive master and um i help out um with our local dive center yeah, you know uh, with um being a dive master uh when needed and uh thoroughly enjoy that role i've been diving for about four or five years and uh, you're a uh, diving buddy. Yeah, you are. <laughs> so, uh, and yesterday, yeah, we were we got invited to join the. Uh, we've done this before. Uh, help out the Norwich Green Party. Hello, guys. Hello, and uh, we cleared out part of the river in Norwich. And certainly cleared a lot of lots stuff. of road cones, uh, road cones, 
four or five tires. Yeah. yeah. Uh, two mobile phones, a fishing rod, teddy uh, bear, teddy bear, sunglasses, a wooden carpenter's plane. Yeah. Um, various cans, yeah. bottles, pieces of pottery. It's quite heavy uh, stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, pieces of metal. Um, lots of trash, lots of litter, all that sort of thing. Yeah. And it was really good, really fun. Yeah, it was amazing just to see what was on the seabed. So, yeah, yeah you picked most of it up and I looked after it. Well, it was teamwork, wasn't it? Because you, you, you held the, the marker. Yeah, so people could see where we, dive, people could see where we were. And uh, we had people on a boat who kept with us, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, so they Did, just notified any paddle boarders or small craft that we yeah, were there. Yeah, so we were safe. Uh, we were only in two and a half metres uh, deep water. It wasn't very deep at all. And, um, but it's, and it's very silty, uh, but when you drop down, you, you know, it's not bad yeah. vis, got about metres visibility, you know. Yeah, it was nothing like, because this was our third time lucky. So the first time we went in, it was like tea. So we didn't. Yeah, but it was, a, it was a, you know, it's two hours spent really, an hour and a half, I suppose, um, of just basically pulling up mm. stuff that shouldn't been in the river. Yeah. And it was uh, to mark world environment environment day, environment day wasn't yeah. it so uh, that was why we done it and it yeah. was really good and uh, thank you to the norwich green party for inviting us on to uh take part again yeah. and we should be doing it again in september yeah all being well so looking forward to that and uh yeah let's see uh, see yeah. what happens so that's kind of us and uh what we've been up to and apart from the usual crossfit hello guys <laughs> and uh having a bit, oh we went um paddleboarding yeah we did a croma well, on wednesday we? yeah so. and saw the lifeboat out um on their training exercise and yeah that was our first visit to croma this year yeah yeah and uh we're hoping to uh speak to them at some stage mm. uh, which should yeah. be really good yeah. um over at croma and uh we've been using the lovely parallels for Quita. Yep. So that's been out on a couple of trips. That has. Yeah. Yeah. So I could try and get a little bit of uh, media out about that. Yeah. All good fun. It is. So should we get our guest on? Yes. Yeah. So we're going to talk to Rob Spray. Let's do it. Okay. Let's. Hello. Uh, hello. hello. <laughs> Hi. How are you? Yeah. Good. Thank you. All good. We can't see you. Well, I'm being shy. I don't know why. I think it maybe it's a default meeting setting. Let me unmute myself. Ah, there you I go. Hello. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I like the picture. Well, I was searching around. I can have the the stock backgrounds aren't cool. So this is sharing them. Really? That's, that's wow. wow. Look at that. Yeah. Well, that, that's one of my normal stock pictures. I do a, I mean, when I do chats for nice old people and things, um, I show them pictures and I say, well, home or away, where, what is this? Where is this? And do a lot of little animals. And I say, where's that? And most people go, well, that, that's the med. Yeah. And they go, no, that's much closer. Where is it? And they go, oh, South Coast. And you go, no, no, Dorset's <laughs> brown. This isn't Dorset. Um, and then just, working to, actually, that's Sheringham. That's a quarter of a mile off Sheringham. Wow. Um, For people who can't see that, it's a bright blue background with, and that could be Red Sea, anywhere like that. And that's absolutely lovely, isn't it? And lots of lots of fish. What are they, Pollock? Cod? Those are bib. Um, they're sometimes called pout whiting, ah, okay. but pouting bib. Bib's shorter. I go for bib. Uh, they're the ones you see around all the wrecks. And oh. so normally you see them around wrecks because that's where you see something where they get a bit of, uh, I guess, tide shadow. They're, they're not really... I mean, they're not really up for a lot of cardio workout. They like somewhere where they can rest. And yeah. so you don't find them over flat seabeds, but where you find nice chunky bits of chalk, 
and rocks, you'll find them shoaling and they shoal off Norfolk. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 isn't it? it's, it's a lovely place. Um, that's from a dive 2010. Um, yeah. I jumped in um, and thought we, we were still exploring the reef, what lumps and chunks there were. And oh, wow, this is absolutely amazing. Hadn't seen the big stuff before. Um, and there, there it was, I mean, two, three meter high bits of chalk and proper stuff. If you could walk through it, there'd be guided tours. Um, and yeah, it's just sitting there. It's only seven, eight meters deep. Yeah. So it's lovely, easy dive. Yeah. yeah. Aside from the tides, you've got to be careful about the tides. Yeah. But yeah. other than that, really easy. We are blessed with what we have on our coast. And, um, and that is proof of that. Yeah, That's and so lovely. many people don't realise that we've got all this. So, yeah, so thank you for joining us anyway. Yeah. It's uh, really nice of you to come along and hopefully we're going to explain a bit more to our listeners about what we've got in the Norfolk area yeah. and about sea search. Yeah, fingers crossed. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so do you want to just explain who you are to our listeners and what you do? Okay, for the people who haven't, haven't seen all the arguments in the press about what kind of person I am, um, I'm a normal person. Um, I um, had a normal job, worked in technology and stuff. Um, and then I got drawn into a project for doing, sending stills and video back from yachts. Okay. Well, that, that's interesting. Got into underwater cameras, um, which we just needed for deck, not diving. But we'd been keeping fish, thought, yeah, let, we organised a diving holiday, and what, a diving course with a local club. And look, ah, this is brilliant. It became the thing we became obsessed with. Up until that point, we'd been relatively normal. We'd had a wide range of interests and then we just bit on diving. Um, and within a few years, we were obsessed about the wildlife and got into taking pictures of it. That got us wondering what they were, which most divers don't get to the point where they wonder about stuff nearly enough. They're still just amazed by it. Um, and very quickly, because there wasn't a whole lot of active conservation around North Norfolk underwater, um, we got asked, could we help support people just as act as coordinators for the Sea Search project, um, which we did. And it's been pushing at an open door because it's a lovely place. Um, we enjoy doing it. And so it's been going from strength to strength after that. Uh, yeah. So do you do it as a full time role or is it? just um this is a this is a volunteer thing um i took voluntary redundancy more than more than a decade ago now basically i was extremely lazy i was I'm fed up working wanted to do something i liked um so i i should double mention that i'm part of the coordination team for sea search here i coordinate with my other half dawn who's working she's always working she's the dedicated one and i say she does all the work and i'm the expendable front face of it like a lightning conductor um she's she likes concentrating on the figures the biological id yeah. and i wrangle people and and do, do the the front of house stuff yeah, yeah. so it's, just, yeah. It's, it's a team effort we we do I mean, a scatter of other things but this is our main focus everything we do is to help us do this yeah yeah, yeah. so sea search is a national thing so there are divisions all around the country 
Oh, divisions make it sound paramilitary. Um, yeah, it's a national project, and people I mean people have in the past said, oh, I want to complain to Sea Search Central. And you go, one person. It's not a big organization. It's a project run within the Marine Conservation Society. Yeah. And we have a national coordinator who we're all very proud of. Um, and she tries to wrangle what we call regional coordinators, and they're a mixture of people. So we and about half of them are local volunteers do it because they love it. The other half might be Wildlife Trust employees where the Wildlife Trust is a bit more marine. Mm -hmm. And so down on the south coast, that happens quite a lot. And the regions vary in size. So we've got a northeastern, eastern, Kent, and then Sussex, and then Hampshire and the Isle of Wight, and so on, all the way around the coast. Yeah. And of course, some, some areas are easy. Um, so they have a, a good indigenous sort of dive industry, lots of boats, and some areas are very hard. I think we're probably the, the second most difficult because there's not a lot of dive industry here. Um, getting a boat is non-trivial. Um, the other place is the Northwest, Northwest ever so hard um, up there. And we admire sort of in other areas that have to try, whereas places like Cornwall and Dorset, yeah. how could it be easier? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, we yeah, we, we, we tease each other, but it, it's it's pretty good natured. It's only yeah, it's about a dozen people, really. Um, it's not not a big program. And yet it's the fundamental data that quite a lot of marine conservation is based on because the professional level data is so limited. It's so expensive to do diving professionally yeah. that if you harvest people's goodwill by tricking them into doing a nice wildlife survey you gain a massive amount of time because that's what volunteers and enthusiasts can add mm. it's the time they can pump into diving yeah um yeah that that that's the key thing so last couple of years we've had one professional survey off north norfolk four dives maybe two hours and in the same time last year was actually our record survey year because wow. the pandemic played right into our hands to be honest um, people didn't go away boats were complicated so an area with accessible shore diving was a home run yeah um, we had I mean, more than 250 surveys which is great for us 40 mm. percent up um rep probably represents 250 to 300 hours underwater That's so the it is i mean the difference between the professional level of surveying and professionals in paid, not professionals in detail, because we record more than the professional surveys do, um, is stark. And that's what a volunteer can provide. If they can okay. give, I mean, five, 10 dives, they're already able to put in more time than a professional team could. And it builds up. You don't have to be sort of god of crustaceans or know every sea slug. If you're there and you can record the basics you are still providing really useful information that helps conservation yeah, yeah yeah that's good so how do people get involved is it how do you um recruit your volunteers is it just people coming to you or do you actively try and encourage people <laughs> well i mean it is so good we don't have to actively encourage people it's just i mean we almost you have to lock them out build up a bit of i guess thirst for it and then let them in. Um, strict, I, mean, I suppose strictly speaking, what we try to do is interest people because it's not for everyone. Some people 
perhaps in the early stages of diving want to basically enjoy diving and we yeah. do not want to undermine that or overload people when mm. they are getting coming to terms with diving because I think a lot of a lot of diving is about sort of finding yourself finding your your chill underwater mm. and getting to enjoy it we want the people who've who've got past that, who aren't going to argue about whether you use a carabiner or a double-ended snap clip. Um, you want people who are saying, well, I'm really enjoying my diving. I love this place. What more can I do? How can I find out more about what's going on? And at that point, we would say, yeah, I mean, one of, I mean, a, a slogan is, so sea search, diving with a purpose mm. or diving into conservation. And the idea is that just the stuff you see on a dive, just writing down what you see can have a real positive effect and contribute um, at any level. And once you've started to think about that, we then trick you into doing a course because part of this is not that, I mean, you can't just say crab, mud, water. Um, there's a little formality to it. And the formality means that the data is in, rated by the government as high quality and high confidence. And so it counts. Because a lot of people will say, oh, I posted my pictures on on, on Facebook, Instagram. It uh, doesn't really prove anything if you don't know where it is, why it is, what time of day it is, what depth it is. So you, we need to know where you dived and we teach you that process. Um, I should have a research form around here, but honestly, the basic observer form is just like logging done well. Is it, you describe your dive, where it was, and we encourage people to not to send us paper, send us electronically, you yeah. keep paper, and it's like you've got I mean, just such a, a so much more detailed dive log, not the bits about sort of, sort of Doris and I had hot chocolate and then we parked <laughs> up and then- You don't need to know that. Yeah, that that's not so useful. But so the, the, the process of the dive, I mean, do more detailed profiles, how you found the habitats on it. Yeah. Um, it gets people to actually think about their dive. And you find that I mean, some people are naturally gifted, can recall a dive from 10 years ago in fantastic detail. Others, it's just like a shrieking nightmare for them. And they, they partner with someone who does the savant dive layout thing and they remember all the animals so it can yeah. work brilliantly to give people a kind of bit of sort of locking coordination with a another diver yeah yeah, yeah that's good i like that because you, you kind of uh you know it does add another <clears throat> excuse me element and um i think it's when you got past that stage of just you know practicing your buoyancy and feeling at one in the water you know you can easily miss some of the smaller animals because you're kind of you know concentrating so much on your buoyancy and things like that so it does it's good you know i like that you know it gives you a chance to see what else is around yeah and obviously being a new diver yeah you, you're just focusing on what you need to do rather than like looking around you aren't you yeah it's just there. yeah, yeah. I think you, you find when you start diving for, for a while, you are obsessed with the numbers. You're forever checking your air far too often. Um, you're worried about buoyancy and trim in the water. But I mean, after 20 years diving, the, I mean, the kit is just the kit. It's just yeah. something you wear. Mm. Um, I, I remember when I was, when I was little, um, I had so much trouble with my first dry suit worrying about should I wear ankle weights and socks and things. And now I just have this big pile of old 
dry suits I've bought from Facebook and you just put them on and you just float in them. Um, and I mean, most of the year up in Norfolk, we actually dive in wetsuits yeah. because it's just easy, practical. You're not, I mean, one of the main features of Norfolk is the sand. Everything gets filled with sand. Um, yeah. So wetsuits, much easier from that point of view. You're not worrying about zips and stuff. Did you say all year? Not all year, most of the year, by which I am I'm misleading you and saying our dive season. So actually, that's rather brave. <laughs> well, well, no, well no, not, not really. So our, our dive season usually starts around the start of July. Yeah. Mm. So not so bad. Runs mm. until the end of November often. Um, and we do, do transition into dry suits. But around the start of July, we're in the mid to high teens temperature. Yeah. Um, late July and August, we'll get often to 20 degrees, sometimes 21. Yeah. So it's too hot for a dry suit. Yeah. yeah. Um, so a wetsuit, semi-dry to be fair, is just ideal. It yeah. saves a lot of hassle. We put a lot of wear and tear on our stuff just from the amount of beach walking we do. So yeah. my, my favorite dry suit is, is failing around the the groinal area just through the friction on the neoprene. Sounds terrible. Yeah. Um, so wetsuit's wet good, I mean, cheaper, easier, and that's another obstacle yeah. to involvement that if people have been diving somewhere, I mean, I mean, if you go to Egypt in November, December time, it's not hot. Mm. Um, you need a thick wetsuit and that wetsuit can take you right into the sea in Norfolk in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because the sea we dive in, the shore sea we dive in is so shallow, it warms up. It just rests there, shuffles backwards and forwards and and gets hot. Yeah. And so we, we look at, at high teens well into September and then the temperature tails off and usually around mid teens we'll drop back to a dry suit. Yeah. So we're not not Nazis about it, but it's 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 we use the kit we need. Don't don't dress up just just so you can look cool on the beach, because if you're on for a half mile walk in a dry suit with too much gear, by the time you arrive, you oh, are yeah. anyway. Um, so, so we, we dive what we what we need yeah. to wear. It's, yeah. uh, it's very nice. I echo that. I've, I've dived, uh, um, you know, in the sea in, in the summer in a wetsuit, five mil wetsuit, and that's been absolutely fine. You know, forty-five minutes to an hour dive, and um, yeah, and the thing with our shore dives here, often there's a lot. There's quite a long walk. Well, yeah, way involved, you yeah, know, to get into it. So um, yeah, it's, mm. uh, if you can, I'd, I'd go with the wetsuit definitely. Yeah. It's a lot lighter. So, yeah, and, that, and that's that's it. And and there's all the fun stuff you can smirk about people about facilities and wetsuits and things because there, 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 there's a freedom in a wetsuit that you can't have in a dry suit away from facilities um, and often you don't have to use that facility it just knowing you could yeah is enough to take the pressure off yeah there's nothing like being dipped into a dry suit having had your last cup of tea and then thinking there's one more thing i need to do but I can't get unzipped. I've got an hour's dive ahead of me and I'm going to be what thinking about that? this all. When you get yourself into a dry suit, all of a sudden, and you, you dive in, all of a sudden you think, Is that water? I need to go for... Okay. <laughs> I think 
I think there is a there's a physiological basis to a bit of a bit of a bit of squeeze, a bit of cold, and all of a sudden you you feel the tingle and you think, oh, now now I need something to think about. And I think that's the title of this podcast actually feel the tingle. Feel the tingle. Feel the tingle. <laughs> feel the tingle with sea search. <laughs> I, I think it, it's a t-shirt worthy for slow. It is. It is. Feel the tingle. There you go, listeners. Yep. Watch out for the, t- the T-shirts coming out soon. <laughs> so for our or listeners, explain what is great about diving off the coast around here, around Norfolk or the East Anglian coast. We, we dive I mean, all the way around the UK, but I think what you want is variety. Yeah. Um, the really nice thing about the North Norfolk coast is it's really accessible. Um, there's a 20 mile stretch where you can have a good dive anywhere you can walk in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a sudden drop off. And although there's a lot of chat about the tides and the tides are significant, um, if you know your tides, you can have a great dive in your choice of depth. And that's what makes it, it accessible. Um, some of us I mean, might swim I mean, near a kilometre off and back you can do that. Uh, you're not going to find a sudden drop off or sort of evil surprise tides. Mm. You just have a, a gradual seabed, which rewards you going that bit further. Yeah. Um, because it's on a chalk base, when it's clear, the, the water is really bright. You're not diving in amongst sort of dark granite or down in a deep Scottish lock, which is a different experience I mean, cool yeah. in a different way. But this is lovely bright diving on a good day not unusual for us to have 10 meters plus viz during the summer and on the days when it's better than that i mean i mean 20 plus meters off the beach is wow. just mad yeah you remember your dive at Weybourne? yeah my first sea dive at Weybourne was amazing yeah yeah, yeah. and that was i was only just you qualified from, that week you went from Gil- <laughs> gildenberg with like yeah, this. uh you know less than a meter visibility we we was up to a double decker bus and we all we could see was like a meter uh, about a foot square around the, the yeah. a double decker bus and then we went to uh way and the visibility yeah. was just awesome you know yes. 10 meters yeah i was, I was at just least a, 10 meters first. i was just wowed at the like color and, yeah. i think that that's the thing you easily make the make the case for diving you say look gilderberg Gilderborough, not not the loveliest place in the world, but functional. Yeah, can be fascinating. On I think Cup Final Day is good there, when nobody else is there. It <laughs> finally settles, and I mean Stony has its its ups and downs. But I haven't been to either of them probably for fifteen years. Yeah. I, I I don't train anybody in diving, um, and I've not really missed it. No. Uh, nice diving makes the case for diving, and so I mean. My first dive was at Weybourne, my first sea dive as well. Um, I was taken on a low-vis tour of the Rosalie. And I thought, yeah, this is the reason I I trained to dive. This has opened it up. Um, I always thought we'd just go and dive the tropics. But I thought, no, actually, this is right on my doorstep. Mm. Um, This thing, this place is covered in animals. Um, Mm. It was quite a while before we realised the value of the chalk, because our club didn't really know about it. And lots of the local clubs didn't. But once you know it's there, you know that I mean, you can go in anywhere along the front at, at Weybourne. You can just sw- I mean, just walk straight out of the car park into the sea and there's there's a dive there. 
And that's liberating, I think. If yeah. people say, I mean, oh, diving's such an expensive hobby. It is if you're always going to be going to the Cayman Islands and lashing out on Hawaiian shirts. But if you know that you, once you've got your kit, you can just go to the coast, you can have a dive, and yeah. it's the cost of fuel and chips. And yeah. that's accessible UK diving. Well, it is. And in some respects, it's actually cheap because, you know, if you get a decent dry suit, uh, and, and when I bought mine, I thought, right, I'm going to get a, uh, a, decent, a decent dry suit and then I'll just look after it. And then hopefully it will last, what, 10, let's say 10 years. And if you get, I don't know, in, over 10 years, Same 500 dives, out, so let's say, you know, uh, uh, really, when you price it up, it's not bad value nice. at all, is it? You nice. know um and so it's quite good like that when you compare that to other sports you know a, a set of golf bats are going to be i don't know what 1500 pounds something like that and then i i i that that's always my example and i i like your terminology i think yeah the the sticks you use for golf whatever those i mean yeah. <laughs> whatever they are <laughs> for golf um and and all the wacky trousers you got to have it, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's on a cost par with it, and yet here's the sea. Here's a bit of wilderness for you that you can enjoy at no incremental cost, pretty much. Yeah. Air, fuel to get there, yeah, and probably tea. Yeah, and it's at the moment. Obviously, people can't travel, and they really need to kind of embrace what we've got here. Yeah, you know that's that's my feeling because I think you know we've got the opportunity now. Yeah, to... but you can actually do it as a snorkeler as well, can't you? You don't have to be a diver. You don't. You can do it as snorkeling and as well, can't you? Definitely, nice point, well made. Because we realised a few years ago that again, diving is big and scary. I've when I have, I'm an assistant instructor. I've taken people in the pool, and you some people. I mean, the idea of the equipment, the noise submerging is too much for them and you want to give them something motivational a taste of what's what's in the water without pushing them they, mm -hmm. they need to lead themselves not be coerced and a couple of years ago i realized there were some great spots just for snorkeling off the coast and so we have a little snorkel trail in sheringham yeah. the idea of that was just here's a target because if you tell people to snorkel in the north sea if the conditions aren't great, they will they will struggle because yeah. sort of the, the inshore is often a little bit stirred up. You can't see anything. Um, so hopefully this year we get our, our snorkel trail buoyed. There's a guide just by the offshore cafe in Sheringham as to where mm -hmm. to go. I'm sure Steve and Lisa there would, would help point people out. And the idea is that that's just a, a taster. So for, again, reduce the cost again, cost of a mask, ideally a snorkel, but even okay for floaters, you can just drift over that yeah. and get an idea. And you, you can do the wrecks, they're that little bit more of a challenge. You can do the gullies, they're a little bit more again. And we've got volunteers who do sea search surveys who only snorkel. And they've built up to the point where you go, actually, they're a pretty capable snorkeler. And that's that's an appreciable skill and a lot more of a physical challenge in its own right, a kind of fitness cardio challenge um, than our diving is. Um, and you say, well, one day as a diver, you hope they'll come over to the dark side. But <laughs> as snorkelers, their kit is so light. Some of the walks we do stop people doing those sites. 
Mm. Um, there's a site we, call, we, we weirdly call East West Bank because we've misnamed it. Um, it's a 900 metre walk. Wow. Mm. Um, and then the swims we've been doing off that are six, 700 metres. Yeah. Um, doing that with all the dive gear is a, is a stress. Yeah. Um, and it, there's, there's organisation and logistic problems with that. If you're just snorkeling, you just skip along there with a snorkel and a mask, jump in, yeah. jump out, um, piece of cake. It yeah, gives it has some fun. Good reach. Okay. Definitely. I think snorkeling is underplayed as a, a great way to, to get used to the sea. Because a lot of what we do um, is really informing people about how important, how beautiful and how varied the life underwater is. Yeah. And until people have broken the surface, um, they don't know that. They, they think the sea is just a flat thing. They don't realize it's a real sort of 3D space that's far bigger than that little ribbon of sand they've been sitting on. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, we're hoping to do the snorkel trail yeah. this yeah. summer. Yeah. yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, looking yeah. forward to that. Excellent. What about technology? You know, we, we like our gadgets. And um, so, what sort of role can a bit of technology play? You know, do people need much of a camera, do you think? I, I think I think camera cameras really add to diving, yeah. um, but I will completely concede that there's a lot of people generating terrible, nauseating stuff, and that perhaps perhaps the time of the the unfettered GoPro stapled to somebody's forehead is over, because that's that's a hard sell. You so sit down, family. I'm going to show you 16 hours yeah. of wobbly holiday footage, unedited. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, for us, our love of diving and our interest in photography was kind of paralleled. Um, it was the late 90s and n little digital cameras were just becoming available. I accidentally lucked into getting involved in that yacht project, which I didn't accidentally um, spec some dive cameras for. So waterproof dive cameras. We had a big expensive metal housing for a camcorder which we didn't use it was too heavy on on land for the yachts but the plastic housings that were just arriving were things you could stick in pockets you could tuck to one side they wouldn't injure you if they were swinging around and so we got into the photography because you had instant feedback um first trip was a red sea trip with that camera and people were i mean although my pictures were not good i mean this is this i assume is a family podcast i can't tell you how poor some of those pictures were mm -hmm. but the fact that in the evening you could connect up what was then a video cable we weren't didn't take laptops at the time to the the, holo, the hotel tv and we showed people a couple of hundred pictures we'd taken that day and the people with their sort of cncs and motor marines were I think fascinated and absolutely damn furious. They would have to wait a couple of weeks to see I mean, a tenth of the number of pictures and they knew they'd be terrible. Mm. And having done some digital pictures, you could see what was good and what was bad. You had a record of it already that you would keep. Yeah. Um, I'd come home from that with 500 pictures, whereas the people with their film sets weren't going to do a fraction of that. And so it became very clear very quickly that it was just a great way to share diving once you were out. Because carrying, I mean, you just seem like a nutcase if you go up to someone and tell people about the experience of immersion, weightless floating, being in clouds of fish. If you 
show them the scenery, if you show them the animals, they get a little gateway into that. And there, as a diver, you're starting to chip away at their, their resistance and you'll make them into proper human beings yeah. who can dive. Um, so for us, um, and we started diving and using cameras almost from the off, but in the same way, I'd say, I mean, some people, I, I met this lovely guy on an Indonesian island and he said, I'm just not getting the kind of results I want with my camera. It's, I don't know what it is. I said, well, how many dives have you had with it? He said, oh, had two dives with the camera. I said, well, don't worry. How many dives have you had overall? Four. Really? But, yeah, I said, mate, put, put the camera down, enjoy the diving, work out what you want to take pictures of. You are, you're rushing it. Um, and it's the same now. So say, so get your diving set, and then when you're ready to tell people that beyond the just screaming panic and not being able to find the dump on your jacket, <laughs> you want to get a record of it to share with people because you're kind of bitten, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously I'm too new. I don't want a camera on or anything. I just want to focus on yeah what I need to do. Yeah. I think that's it. And then you'll find it's nice to dive with someone who has got a camera. You get a record of your dives. You'll see yourself enjoying yourself. And then you'll get to the point where you've seen a thing and you can't get your buddy's attention. You just want to snap it. So I, mean, I say I mean, nowadays, when I started, the, the, the digital cameras were terrible. I spent like 10 pounds on eBay to get my first digital camera back and housing. So 10 quid for the set. And I could not believe how slow it was, <laughs> how, how I put up with that. It must have taken most of the dive to take pictures, but it was, it was brilliant. It was way beyond anything else I had. Yeah. And now when we, we've got a, a shed load of cameras, I, I dive with something like this in a housing. So, okay. Well. That's nice. Was that a Canon? Oh, no, I, you're not interested Nikon. in photography then. This is, this is Olympus. Nikon. Olympus. Oh yes. Olympus. Yeah. Olympus. And I mean, honestly, pretty much all cameras are decent now. Um, yeah. We we fell in with Olympus because Olympus, I mean, for a couple of decades, did housings themselves. So you buy into Olympus and you know that you can house your camera and you, you know when you buy the next camera that the flash will work, mm. batteries will fit, the dome ports, other, all, all the other expensive stuff will fit. I mean, when it's all housed up, then then you've got something more, more like that. Oh. that this, this, it, That's quite a big camera case. Yeah, yeah, it is. And so you need what does that to weigh? Pardon? What does that weigh? What's it weigh? Um, all in, it's probably about two and a half kilos. Oh, right. Okay. It's not too bad. Then. It's not horrendous. And these are polycarbonate. So if you use oh. a metal housing, you often need to add, add some buoyancy to it to make it more neutral yeah. so it doesn't tire you. You wouldn't have thought carrying a camera could tire you out, but you see and so big Charlie top banana photographers um, will have hollow accessories to take some of the weight off. Yeah. So, Good idea. I mean, yeah, so we're practical about us. That's Dawn's, that's, that's smaller than mine. Mine's bigger than Dawn's. Uh, <laughs> but what- what this size was yeah. important, eh? It, it 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 isn't honestly and dawn's set is i mean it's like diving you have the set you need so dawn, i feel a bit inferior with my with mine <laughs> <laughs> i have to well, say it's a power lens for creta and uh, we're, we're now using this and um 
uh, it's very good. And this, you know, it logs uh, for people who uh, don't know the power lens. It, yeah, it actually got okay. GPS positioning, so you can tag and all those sort of things. And it logs depth, temperature. Yeah, yeah. and you can connect to the app. So yeah. if you see a fish and things like that, you can actually say, "Well, I'll see, I'll see a, I don't know, a, bit, a cod, a pout, or whatever." But you can, you can, and uh, I suppose that's how technology is coming on. I suppose. Well, it is and it isn't because I mean, do you dive with that on its own or do you stick it on a tray with oh, lights? Stuck to my side in the head at the moment. Oh, I, oh, well, you're going to you're, like, you're, uh, you're gonna make me get crazy, aren't you? <laughs> But I think, yeah, you dive with what you need for what you want to do. I, I think, I mean, head-mounted footage is really difficult. If you're interested, if if you basically put yourself in a neck brace and you swim with very, a very thought to the, to the view, at, I mean, if you're framing shots all the time, head-mounted stuff is, is fine. But it's so easy to go, what's that? And then all of a sudden, everybody in the room jumps on the floor. That <laughs> <laughs> is... That is true. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, it's entirely true. I mean, I think they have their place and, you know. Yeah. I, I, I have a wide angle camera as well. Yeah. And so, again, I mean, this has, it uses, so, so you'd have a fisheye lens in here. And so that's, that's kind of the equivalent of a power lens. Yeah. Only you can control everything on the camera you dive with extra lights on it but that and everything in between because so that you can start yeah. sort of if you but want to do still important point isn't it you know that people can come to your course and actually they don't need a whizzy camera all they need is something you know whatever they've got um that can use underwater no. yeah we don't enforce i mean we're not saying you have to take pictures some people uh, have brilliant recall when we say start start with a slate write down what you see um, I think cameras help a lot because once you've thought of about a thousand things you filled your slate yeah. and just using a camera as a notebook yeah is, is fine so no I mean no no art to it I mean you you might work your way into that but you just use it as a record and it can be as simple as taking a picture of your computer here I am at eight meters i'm seeing sand there's a crab nearby all stuff you no longer have to write down yeah it just yeah. brings back the memory doesn't it, it as well? yeah. Yeah. yeah and that that's all all good and i mean th these ones are nice because they're inherently waterproof you can house them um but you can do 15 meters without a housing yeah um i i'm paranoid so i'd never do that um the fine so, 15 meters off our coast you know, you've got to go out quite a way. Yeah, I mean, that, that's sort of in kilometre or two, yeah. really. I mean, it's hard to do that just swimming. I mean, there are, I think there are places, Overstrand is particularly deep if you swim out. Um, but yeah, for the most part, nobody will get beyond 10 metres. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's not normal. Which makes it accessible <laughs> for, you know, just an open water diver. You don't need your deep... Uh, you know advanced it's, well, it's a good way like you you know for yourself you know when you yeah. wanted to get some experience in sea diving yeah, you? yeah. and, and uh, for an open water diver it was a really good experience you're not going you're not going to be bridging that uh your limit 
no. on your no. training you know you know you're gonna be well within that it's comfortable yeah you know it's uh, easy easy nice d- nice way of getting some experience yeah. yeah yeah not you know not being like completely overwhelmed by depth yeah. and you know horrendous tides or something mm. so yeah yeah so your courses for sea search how yeah. do, how often do you run those um we tend to ride pardon, we tend to run them once a year um oh. because we gather people at the start of the dive season and then run it so that they can dive into the season all all kitted up with with brainfulness um and so actually our next course is next weekend and we, we may be on the point of being so virtually full or at least administratively full um but we've had a lot of interest we may well run another and now that people have finally clicked that gathering together in a classroom for a course isn't the be all and end all um it's much easier to run short notice online courses and like we're looking at probably doing one in in august as well so we're running one next weekend that'll be a, that is our main course of the year um but probably run another one in august um because we've got our nice friend cat who who was going to be here but can't be here um is actually sort of starting to do a bit of specific training on mm. diving in norfolk yeah. because I mean, shore diving isn't a natural skill. All of these things take a bit of acclimatization and you build up your preferences for. Um, So I thought that was a nice idea. So we have boat divers arrive and they'll carry everything into the sea and try and kit up in waves. Or they'll put their fins on and walk 200 meters um, (laughs) with everything in their hands. And, And we see a lot of stuff lost. We see people falling over. And you say, no, so shore diving is a different skill set. Yeah. Um, I have a way I like to do it, but other people clearly have other other ways. And you build up that expertise. And Kat thought, yeah, if we shortcut some of that. So I tend, for example, I run into the sea, everything clenched or tight, tied on, get standing depth, put my fins on and and I'm away. And that's what you want. You want to get through that sort of surf zone quickly yeah. on days that aren't super flat and the reverse. Um, again, if you've ever been to Cly or Weybourne, because of the slope of that beach, you'll have seen people falling over. Yeah. Uh, and you think that it's not like beaches I mean, East Runton, the, the run in there is 50, 100 metres, yeah. um, nice and gentle. That's a good start. Wayborn and Cly, the steep gravel means you've got a transition period of maybe less than I mean, two to five meters. Yeah. You need to touch down, get your fins off and be out because you don't want to be finless if you're in a breaker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen people sort of pleading to be put out of their misery in just lying on the slope. <laughs> and yeah, and you sort of grab them, pull them up the slope. Yeah, it's, it, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a technique. And it makes all the difference between a good and bad, bad dive experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, you, you know, you don't want to be put off by doing something the wrong way, do you? You want to be prepared and know. Well, what one you bad be doing. experience is enough to put you off life. Yeah. It? So that, 
Yeah, that, that's exactly it. And like you're, you're trying to get people to settle into their diving for no part of it to seem like an obstacle. Yeah. And we and again, I guess I mean, the problems we, we, we might have or people we might see in difficulty are often people who've arrived because they're experienced divers somewhere else. So, oh, I've been up and I've dived west coast of Scotland. I've done shore diving and they might have say they've dived a sea lock. So they've gone up, dived Loch Duick, beautiful place but completely different. I mean, pretty much no wave action, yeah. a, a plateau, and then 90 to 100 meters of water accessible. Um, no tide to speak of. And those things are all, all different. Here, yeah. you've got a tide you have to plan around. Yeah. The wave action is really quite real and can build from sort of tide coming in to tide coming out where the wind works against that tidal action. And so, Getting in and out needs a bit of planning, but once you've got over that, then the, the dive is beautiful. Yeah. Um, but you can you can spoil someone's impression of a dive by I mean, getting them exhausted on the way out. I think last year we had, I think I think it was a club came down and they had a whole lot of trouble getting out. Yeah, because they'd assumed that because it was shore diving and it wasn't deep, that there was no complication, there was no skill to it. And and there is, mm. yeah. You you get you get the trouble you don't get before. <laughs> yeah. So for people who are um, interested in um, finding out more, and you know who are listening to this and they think, right, I want to get involved. Where where's the best place for them to go to? Okay. Well, luckily, like like I say, if you go to seasearch.org.uk, that'll tell you about the project. It'll tell you it's nationally run, nationally appreciated. There's nothing like it UK wide. So if you want to contribute with your diving, then Seasearch is the project to be in. I mean, there are other recording projects, but this stuff takes all your information and make sure, make sure it's valid. It's not just a fun thing that friends do together once it's inside we're deadly serious no jokes yeah. um and then every year that's made available by one of the government agencies and is used for conservation planning and that's one of our sort of I mean, big things at the minute that we're having trouble getting the management of the the chalk reef up in norfolk to take account of conservation information um we we to quite an extent we drove the designation of the chalk reef as an MCZ, a marine conservation zone, yeah. because there wasn't a lot of professional level government data on it, or it was very, very old, which you could tell by the, the terrible graphs and maps, which had sort of perfect curves and straight lines in. You think that's, that, that's abstract art, that's not real data. And so we, we put in our data, we could prove the things we've done. We've got photo archives, video archives, and proper records. And that's the thing. Anybody going out can, without being a super duper expert, say, yeah, that's a piece of chalk and make a positive identification. They can talk about seaweed and crabs and in the fullness of time, they'll learn about all the kinds of crabs, that there is over 120 kinds of seaweed we have off our coast. Um, there's a real depth to it. I mean, if you're a garden enthusiast, then I mean, seaweeds can become fascinating weirdly quickly. And then sort of the crabs, nudibranchs, fish, just endless streams of it. Um, and you, you can't look enough. You can always find some more. So you're... you're In fact, um, actually, you've mentioned some, uh, about seaweed. 
um, it's only this week uh, they were talking on the news today, um, this week about uh, seagrass and the uh, mm. the great impact uh, seagrass has on reducing the CO two mm. on uh, carbon and, uh, and how we need to you it's know get more impact, of yeah. that and encourage more of that growth. Um, yeah, I mean, we've been caught up. I mean, the, the east coast is complicated for seagrass. There's only a few little pockets of it. And we have been looking at surveying to see how that's going. And I think there's a kind of upswell in seagrass action to try to identify good places for it and then try and plant it up, bring in extra. And Kat would have told you she's done a project, been involved in a project over in Pembrokeshire um, where they've been planting bags, seagrass, and it binds the seabed together. It provides just a little bit of so undergrowth for animals and the seaweed we have does the same so um, the north Norfolk reef isn't good ground for seagrass that that needs a soft bed and it binds together a soft sort of mobile seabed whereas the thing about the chalk is that it's already stable it's already that brilliant habitat for for seagrass for seaweed and the carbon banking thing is excellent you want material getting banked as quickly as possible so the whole of the chalk reef is a chalk bank from around 50 60 million years ago yeah. it's all made of compressed tiny pieces of seaweed and so the the threat the threats to the chalk reef are real and they're multifaceted you say you want the chalk reef so that people can see it so the animals can live there mm -hmm. so that businesses like fishing can be supported but without being informed about what damages it um, and why it's there, you ignore things like, well, if you break it up, the chalk will dissolve and release the carbon mm. faster. Yeah. And also all these things, seagrass, seaweed, and the chalk help dissipate wave energy. And so heading into a period where sort of climate change is making weather really erratic, you don't want to be doing anything that will undermine the coastal protection you have mm -hmm. I mean, places like norfolk and suffolk have very vulnerable coasts yeah. i mean our coast is is sinking our poor drainage means that it's falling into the sea you do not want to be reducing the amount of protection you have mm -hmm. and the chalk reef and active i mean seagrass all, all adds just to help sort of back off and reduce the energy that hits the coast so yeah. Um, it, it's unfortunate you start off doing a nice hobby that you enjoy because it's pretty and then all of a sudden you're caught up in multiple streams of uh, in scientific interest and then actual activism you think yeah this is this is real and this is local and it's Isn't that hard to be passionate about a sport um, and an interest without not getting involved in that because otherwise you you know you are missing so much aren't you and uh, you're not putting anything back. Well, you've got to make a difference, haven't you? Because if you enjoy the underwater world, you enjoy seeing the fish, the colours, the pretty fish, like what you've got in your background, you know, you, uh, that's all going to go. If you don't look after it and preserve it and get involved, that yeah. is all going to go because, you know, uh, we won't care of it. And I don't really want to get into the whole, you know, fishing methods and things like that because that, you know, that's a big argument. We, we can do another couple of hours on that. But exactly, you know, but it is all those things and us understanding how, you know, with sea searches, 
understanding you know why these things are important and what you know even with climate change uh is being such a big thing how all these things impact and can impact and how you know we've got to protect it as you've said you know and it you know it's all important stuff yeah yeah yeah, i think that's the thing as a responsible human being in a century ago you could have not known about any of this stuff yeah and so you could continue your life being excited purely about progress yeah and now we have a perspective and you know that the things you do have an impact and that it's it's undeniable you know if you drive your car you're you're pumping pollution into the atmosphere at some point yeah. And so you can take steps. You can use your car less. You can use a more economical car. You can drive it slower. You can act there. And it's the same when you encounter something like so a new area like the sea. And the, I guess the pressure I'd apply is to say, I mean, you can do more than just share you like it. Sharing that you like it is great. Um, you need to show a concern for it, understand it. And then that's something you can say, well, now I understand the pressures it's under. I want to be part of protecting it. And that's not stopping anybody else enjoying it. It's saying, let's all be informed about how we use and visit the reef. Because the sea is absolutely massive. It has the capacity to cope with a lot of interaction, but we can't just keep doing what we've always done. If we can see that it, it's, it's detrimental. And so, I mean, I always joke about, oh, you've got a camera. Do you do anything with it? And you say, oh, yeah, I take a lot of pictures. If you're just sort of stuffing them in a folder on a drive somewhere or even blasting to Instagram, that's just the superficial surface of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. If you can take that information to prove the places you not like are good, bad or changing, you're starting to really get dug into being able to aid conservation rather than just f- making yourself feel better. And yeah. like a lot of conservation surface stuff is you're, you're making yourself feel better rather than acting. And that's, if you want to go on, go on to the next level by doing something with those, those concerns you have. Yeah. yeah, that's a very good point. We are the first generation to understand all this. And, um, you know, it's down to us. We could be the last, you know, things go I- really- I think that that's the key point. I, I've spoken to a lot of people and we are not the first generation. I, the nice thing about diving is when you come across a diver who is ooh, one or 2000 years old and you think this is brilliant. These people yeah. have been diving forever. It's not going to kill me straight away. This is exciting. And they'll tell you about how things have changed, how they've noticed yeah. and how the awareness we are in a broad awareness that perhaps has lasted a generation. And we could be the generation that pushes it beyond the saving point. Yeah. And doing that while we're informed about the risk is unforgivable. So yeah. that's that's the thing. And you see a lot of old, I mean, grey-haired people with glasses and beards um, decrying Greta Thunberg. And you say, she's a, a real wake-up call. You don't object to getting bad news if it's true. Yeah. Mm. that's just sticking your head in the ground what you want to do is say well, what can i do about that yeah. um it's not her fault she's got bad news it's it's my fault i'm that generation that has done this yeah. so i need to be part of fixing it because she's just a kid 
shouldn't be on her to fix that. Um, we've got to set up a position where what she's doing is helping the complete recovery and we get our back, the, the environment back on its feet rather than always seeing what we can earn from it. Yeah. yeah. So with all that in mind, okay, if you could take three people in the water, you know, with meaning and show them, who would you take? Well, that's a good question because uh, there's always the thing like when like when Jeremy Clarkson went in the water it looked like he was nearly dying and you think that kind of terror might be something you'd want to give someone as a gift um I I haven't seen that one yet so I think it would be great to take a lot of the fishermen in mm. um let them see what the area is like. They enjoy it from the surface. And I always say, I mean, if you wanted to learn something, you wouldn't throw a rope through the window of a school. You'd go inside and you'd look at the books. You need to visit. So I'd say that that's a first, a first step. Otherwise you want to be, I mean, making sure that I mean, kids, so these are not specific people. These are groups of people. Yeah, no, that's good. Get, get kids access to the sea early. Um, make the sea a fundamental part of what coastal kids know about. Wow. So down in the Cornwall, down in Cornwall, over in Pembrokeshire, the kids have a much better relationship with the sea straight off. And our kids should to, to sort of rock pool, get out in the water so that I mean, swimming, seeing the wildlife is part of it. So wildlife is continuous. It's not just on land. It's all the way out to sea. And then you'll start to see better ideas about using the sea, protecting the sea. And the third person I'd like to take diving is my mum. Um, because I, I did a try dive for her. And I think pretty much she still lives off that with her friends as, ah, it's, it's Pam. She's been diving and she did, <laughs> she did 10 minutes in a swimming pool. Honestly, she's over overplaying it. Um, I should get her down onto the reef and get her to see what it's all about. Yeah. Because then she'd have a proper tale to tell. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. So with all that, that in mind, if you had a billboard that you could put out there to the whole world, what would you put on it? Would you put a statement or an image just to get a message across? I think that that's that's oh, such a good question. You must do this regularly. Um, I think the problem with the images is they look nice, but without context, it can look like everything's fine. Look, here's a picture of a thing that's nice. Yeah. Uh, people then move on. And we've seen that when we've done nice people pictures on the telly. People go, oh, great. That's that covered. And they move on. So you need a statement like sort of been, say these fish or nice little cuttlefish and so oh, Sort of, do you know where your cuttlefish is today? What are you doing to save me? Yeah. Um, and that's that's the, the polite version. I'd probably put up something much more forthright and, <laughs> and, and stick it by the sea. But you know, wake up, you silly people. Yeah. Um, this is this is important. This sea is yours. Protect it. Yeah. yeah. This sea is yours. Protect it. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Hopefully, people will think about what they are seeing underwater and you know get a bit more involved because I think it's yeah such a good thing to just be making a difference you know being taking that interest and being able to take part in a bigger much bigger thing 
Definitely. I, th I think there's a lot of people who are sort of stopped at the edge because there's quite a lot of, I mean, not, not really sinister stuff, but stuff that just deflects people from, I guess, showing an interest in the sea. Like, I mean, lots of people would stop at the weaver fish poster and the sea is scary. Yeah. And so you need to know about what the weaver fish do, then you can be safe about them. Um, <clears throat> you want people to be in the sea and enjoying it and to appreciate that actually it's the holiday makers that are the biggest industry in the sea. And I mean, they aren't always brilliantly behaved. They yeah. need to appreciate it. Yeah. And then they'll apply pressure on, on everything. His, holistically, yeah. everything's connected. And so if you get people thinking healthily about the sea, they'll care about it. And a healthy sea will be such a reward that yeah. it's, it's incalculable how, how valuable that would be. Yeah, yeah. And it's win-win for everybody, you know, industry, the businesses that work off the sea and, you know, the people that just want to enjoy it as well from the, either whether they're just like swimming in the sea or diving or snorkeling. Mm, that is true. Yeah. So do you have like a Facebook page, Instagram page for Sea Search? Oh, I'm, I'm too old to do Instagram <laughs> and I never got the hang of, hang of Twitter, really. We have an active Facebook page, oh. but... Um, I, I say that we have we're not an open page anymore because we have problems with industry pressures yeah um so we're all big and responsible everything we do is transparent but the facebook page we have is for people who are actively involved and want to to add conservation to their diving so that's sea search east nice and easy to find um and i mean doesn't have to be people who've done the course people are thinking about the course or want to know more about conservation diving are all welcome in um, otherwise I mean quite a few of the local dive shops have a bit of interest I know Crystal Seas in Norwich mm -hmm. uh, Holly is sort of getting into supporting stuff and Cat works out of Crystal Seas um, Beyond One Bar in Leyston and Dive Line in Ipswich do a little bit up on the coast okay. so they're, they're touch points and hopefully I mean, people would appreciate that this is accessible diving, not skill-free diving. There's a value in taking it gently. Um, we do have a web page. If you do, like, embarrassingly, because what we did 14 years ago was just start a page called Norfolk's Twin Wreck Challenge. If you do a search for Norfolk's Twin Wreck Challenge is when we were, we were actually thrown out of our dive club, um, which was funny. Um, because we really liked diving and the, the club really wasn't wasn't quite as focused on diving as we'd hope and we, we, we had some forthright conversations and instead of responding to a crisis um, they chucked us out which which tragically involved chucking my mum out as well because I joined her as a social member so she could use the pool <laughs> it's pitiful stuff if you can't answer a few simple questions then why are you running the club? Um, and so we started diving on our own, or Dawn and I, kind of semi-independently, and we got really into sea search. So we channeled our in interests into that. Yeah. And one of the things was our club had always done, the only dive they'd done off North Norfolk was the Rosalie. Mm -hmm. um, I suppose that sometimes they'd done the gullies, but they didn't know where they were. And they would take up an inflatable boat to go and do the Rosalie. And so my first dive in the sea involved wearing a, a very tight 
beaver wetsuit for nine and a half hours to get a half hour dive on an inflatable on the Rosalie. And after leaving the club, we realized that actually you can just walk up, just swim out. The shore diving, the Rosalie and the Vera actually works really nicely in a day. One you do on the high tide, one you do on the low tide. And we thought, well, let, let's pretend it's a challenge. And so we did a page of details and that'll lead you to our guide for diving the reef, which talks about that tidal planning, parking access, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so that, that's, that's a good resource to start from. You can see if that, how hor horrifying that sounds. <laughs> well, no, we can put it in the show notes and uh, people yeah. can yeah, click on that and uh, go and have a look for themselves. So yeah, that sounds good. good. Yeah. I think they're yeah. going to start a lawnmower up next door, aren't they? <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't hear that. I'm fine. <laughs> so, so, Gemma, I was going to say, you said you did your first sea dive at Weybourne. Yes. Have, have you, so how, how long have you been diving? Is that... I qualified last July. So obviously with the lockdown and everything. So I've done sea diving at St Abbs for three days. And that is it so far, yeah. sea diving. And, so, and in the river yesterday. Yeah, and then the river went some yesterday in Norwich. Yeah. Oh, we did the, the stir at the beginning of the week. That was wacky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So have you done any sea diving yet? Or is... Are you, I haven't. The lockdown mucks up our plans because we know I normally go up to Scotland around the start of the year because the, the sea locks are great pretty much year round. Yeah. Um, and so they, they they're good for putting outside our season. Normally, we probably do three or four trips to Scotland. Um, hopefully I'll go over to Wales in a couple of weeks. Okay. Um, the, yeah. Lockdown wise, start of the year is kind of shut down. Yeah. But we should be diving in Norfolk within the next month. And then okay. we're solid on that um till late in the year yeah, yeah so should yeah. be good yeah it's good diving off yeah. the coast isn't no it? looking forward to doing more this yeah, yeah. this summer yeah. definitely so yeah we'll have to, have to catch you up there and and show yeah. you some yeah that'd be good yeah, yeah it'd be I'm good yeah that. because cat has just kind of whetted our appetite for it and yeah just you know hearing all about this chalk reef and even the snorkel trail it's just yeah I'd like something to do that. that yeah we'd like to get a lot of other people exposed to because yeah. it's it's all you know, sharing the message and the environmental side of stuff as well. So yeah, I think it's a bit all part and parcel of getting people involved in, in British diving. And you say, well, for a long while, I mean, the British diving was pretty much an annual trip to the Farns and then a trip to the Red Sea. Yeah. And th those are both great places, but they are kind of a guaranteed hit, but it's, it's intense. It's all boat based and that's kind of always building to a crisis where you wonder if you've forgotten the last thing yeah. but so this this diving it's you don't get I mean, you nearly always get a magical dive but for the days you get those big clouds of fish so that that's not every day but you play the lottery you get skilled up and then if you can do the hard sort of miles up and down the beach you can do the long swim this is about 400 meters offshore yeah then the, the diving you do off a boat becomes actually a lot easier because you're you're physically physically trundling off the edge of a boat and falling off isn't the same kind of cardio. No, no definitely not. No, um, you've got half a dozen uh, people helping you get dressed on the back of a boat as well. That, that's it. I've I've never had anyone apply lip balm while I've been getting ready on here. Um, yeah, I mean we do love. Do love the exciting stuff or the, the big glossy stuff but this this is great when you yeah. get 
a nice day like that and you you can just settle in amongst the fish knowing you're in 10 meters well, less than 10 meters and you've got an hour more of air so and it's all all your dive and down to you so it's i think this is this is this is kind of freedom diving isn't it it's, yes yes yeah. yeah and it's on our doorstep yeah. it's on our doorstep yeah. which is just yeah, yeah fab yeah no yeah. it's been really good brilliant. yeah yeah i think so. so yeah far too nice excellent all right well it's been brilliant thank you very much for your time thanks yeah. for joining thanks, us Rob. thank you very much and i'll pop off now bye-bye again Bye. cheers Bye. okay well that was brilliant thank you very much rob for joining us on the big scuba yeah it was um, inspiring wasn't it was yeah really good lots of uh good information there and uh, you know don't have to be on the east coast i think a lot of that would apply anywhere really yeah. you know anywhere where you've got yeah shore where you can go shore diving so, yeah 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 and uh, this kind of ties in with the earlier episode that we did with Kat. Yeah. Um, so it sort of kind of follows on from that one on episode 74. Um, so if you haven't, if you're now listening to this one, and you haven't heard that episode, you might want to just dial back to go to 74 because it yeah. all kind of follows on. Yeah. And, uh, and that was one of the reasons why we wanted to speak to Rob and uh, find out about Sea search uh, and uh, the important work that they do, and yeah. how you can get involved. And you don't need any particular equipment. You, you don't, don't need to be a diver. Don't need to be a diver. No. You know. So if you are holidaying in the uh, around uh, the east coast or where wherever you are, you know, if you're a snorkeler and you want to get out there and see, you can get involved. Yeah, get out on the chalk reef and yeah, see what you can see. Certainly can. So uh, yeah, that was really good, and I look forward to sharing that with the class. Yeah, <laughs> with the class. <laughs> with our listener. <laughs> Of course, maybe. Yeah, and uh, just very quickly before we go, and I want to say we did mention Powerlens. I want to say thank you yes. very much to yeah. our good friends who help us make these episodes possible. So, uh, hello to you guys at Powerlens. Thank you very much. And O yeah. Three, Fourth Element, Mares, yeah, and um, yeah, Apex. Apex Diving. So, uh, hello to you guys, and thank you very much, and to John everson who always support us as our trusted patron so yes. uh, and hope everything goes well with his move to, yes. back to the old blighty It'd be nice John. to catch up with him yeah and uh, him and his family so thank you very much thank you very much for downloading thank you very much for listening uh, to us uh chat away for an hour or so um hope it was informative and uh you know uh, one way you can support us and support podcast is by telling your friends um ask your dive buddy have you heard the big scuba give it a listen give it a listen give it a try um we've got various guests that we've had on and um, different things that we do we're on youtube um, we always look for subscribers on youtube doesn't cost nothing you know just uh, please do support us if you do want to support us with a few quid we do have a patreon site look at that and it just makes things possible um and you know just helps to pay for some of the costs apart from that um leave us a review on itunes and that helps yeah. spread the message or you can drop us a message an email or a message on social media and just say also got the bat phone and uh, look out for that on plus 44 there we go so we didn't practice that and uh, <laughs> that's that thank you very much thanks for listening look out for the next episode 77 is with shearwater we have got gabrielle pineda 
Yes, yeah, and he's talking about his um, how he got into Shearwater and about some of the um, products. Yeah, he's the worldwide sales manager, I believe. He is, yeah. So, and uh, look out for that. It's quite an interesting chat. If you are, especially if you are a tech diver, yeah. you might be interested in that. It's a bit techy, I suppose, but it's also very open for recreational divers yes, and why absolutely. if you are looking for a dive computer you might well consider the peregrine, peregrine. Hmm. yeah which we have tried it's tried yeah which is a really good dive computer so look out for that look out for sheer water on the next episode yeah so we look forward to seeing you then so you will that was the big scuba podcast thank you for downloading thank you very much and goodbye thanks for listening to the podcast We are not affiliated with any agency or organisation and all opinions expressed in this episode are our own and those of our guests. If you wish to make any comments about this episode, then please do contact us via email or our social media platforms that are listed in the episode show notes. Alternatively, you can send us a message or voice message via WhatsApp on the Big Scuba Bat Phone and the number is plus four four seven eight one zero 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 five nine two four we will always respond promptly and thank you once again for downloading this episode